This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor, I just play doctor online. I listen to a, a podcast uh, that's called The Greatest Generation. It's hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. I may have mentioned it since I've offered this show on iTunes. If I haven't, well, let me explain what it is. It's a uh, Star, War, uh, Star Trek podcast, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, the, the two hosts will bring some comedy to their discussion of each episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. They'll say what they like about each show, what they didn't like, uh, stuff that they found funny, that kind of thing. And it's a it's it's a pretty good show. Uh, it's very entertaining. The guys are very funny. And uh, they've been doing the show since, uh, let's see, I think it was January of 2016. And they're up to 200 episodes. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, there weren't 200 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. And may I say fine nerd credits that you've just gotten there, huh? For knowing that? Because it's true. There aren't that many episodes of Next Generation. It's like 160, 70-something. I don't even know. But what they've done is once they got done, wrapped up the Next Generation series, they went on to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So they've been continuing. So they've done 200 episodes. They've been on for a couple of years, a little over two years. And <clears throat> they mentioned something about the number of downloads they've had. More than 7 million. <laughs> More than 7 million. Of course, they're part of some network kind of thing that uh, I guess is a bit more uh, uh, out there than Talk Radio. I've been doing this show... In fact, this week, this show is not on the exact anniversary. It's a couple days after. Uh, but uh, and, and on March 13th, 2010, Dimland Radio first went on the air at ztalkradio.com. Uh, it was a, I did it live for the first few years and then decided to pre-record them because it just works a bit easier. And, uh, and I've been with them for, well... That's eight years, and I've amassed 355 episodes. Again, if you're subscribing on iTunes, I'm up around, there's 65 or so episodes available through iTunes. Uh, that's because I, I finally made it available on iTunes the last, uh, well, was it December of 2016? I finally made it available then. And... Um, there are nine of those 60-some episodes are, are bonus episodes, which are 
I go back to the old archive because 355 shows, I mean, that's a lot. Uh, I grab one and I, I do a, a, a attack on an opening and then I, I offer it just for a bonus. Just say, here, here's what I was talking about two years ago or four years ago or however far back I decide to go. And... <clears throat> Uh, and if you do want to get any of the 355 shows, most all of them are available at ztalkradio.com on the show archives page. You can go there and open up the Dimland Radio folder, and you can see all the shows are in there, except, oh, I don't know, there's a handful. There's like three or four that are missing. Uh, I don't know what happened to them. They're just, they're just not around. Um, anyway... I've uh, been checking my numbers uh, on Podbean and how many downloads I've been getting, at least according to Podbean. I don't know if it shows any other ways that people download it. I, I don't know. But uh, according to Podbean, uh, the 60-some shows that I've offered, uh, the total downloads I've got is uh, something like 1,260-something. Uh, I mean, it wor- averages out to just under 19 and a half downloads per show huh huh so i've got a ways to go to catch up to the uh to the seven million uh downloads but uh, uh you know uh you know being uh uh being uh eight thousand eight perhaps i try harder <laughs> see that would be my rank i don't even know if that's my rank <laughs> uh it, it, Mighty oaks from little acorns grow. Isn't that isn't that the saying? <clears throat> Speaking of which, there's this thing that's going around the internets. Uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a picture. I'm gonna take my little piece of paper here where I've got it printed out. Yes, it's a picture of uh, uh, what is supposed to be a a petrified tree trunk uh, trunk. Uh, it 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 beggars the imagination here that that somebody would think it, this about this this image. Uh, what's written on there that's getting passed around? It says uh, at its height, this tree trunk was two point five miles across, and the tree full grown would have reached ten miles into the sky. Um, I'm not sure at its height, but, you know, I mean, when it was alive. And the image is of uh, something that, I guess you could say looks like a tree trunk. It's, uh, it, that's been sawed, that, you know, been cut. Because it, it, it has a craggy perimeter, uh, like, like thick bark. It it's kind of has that feel, and then you know at the top, the flat part at the top has a has has what appears to be rings. You know, trees have those rings each year. There's a ring of growth that's added. So it, so you can see how maybe you could look at that and say, well, it it kind of looks like a tree, but I you know but I have a hard time believing that somebody seriously thinks that this picture of a mesa is it is a tree or was a tree and is now a tree stump 
I, I find it hard to believe that people actually think that's possible. But you know, with the with the growth of the uh, flat Earth folks, with the, the this they're becoming more and more common. Apparently, they're still really, really, really fringe. But the internet has a way of of, of expanding crazy groups, <laughs> making them bigger. Well, let's see now. <clears throat> uh, the it's it's actually a picture of what's called the Jagertha. I hope I got that right. Jagertha uh, tableland or Jagertha's table, which is in Tunisia, which is in northern Africa. Uh, it's a, it's a natural rock formation that's uh, that's created by erosion over millions of years. That, that that's what it is. It's got the flat top thing going because that's how they are. <laughs> and uh, somebody had asked when this was uh, when this was posted on the Facebook. Somebody had asked um, how you know how the people explain the flat why it's so flat on top. I mean, it looks like it's been cut down. How do they explain that? And the best comment in response to that question. Uh, that I saw was uh, anyone who can entertain the notion of a 10 mile high tree isn't going to have trouble believing in a three mile long chainsaw and it's, it's so th it isn't true this isn't this isn't what is going on out there um, oh shoot I was gonna play the theme for it well why don't I do that now uh, uh, because you know I'm a completist kind of guy so um, I'm gonna play the it's not true theme in a second here because I have to make sure that it plays uh, it, so so this this being a giant tree trunk from from you know ancient times when trees could draw could grow to 10 miles t tall or some would say 40 miles tall well that's not true it's not true, it's not true I'm telling you Cause I'm up here and you're nowhere It's not true So there Yeah, I wish I would have remembered to play that at the top of the bit But, you know, I'm a little discombobulated today uh, In recording this and because I'm doing this during the day Normally I do this on Friday nights and I'm all prepared and I'm I've got everything set up. I had the sounder ready and all that, but I just was uh, uh, you know it's just it's just weird doing this show with you see daylight outside. It's uh, it's almost ten o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking well, what am I doing? <laughs> What's going on here? So <clears throat> anyway. Uh, it, oh, and have you seen, you know, with this, uh, oh, you know what, uh, let's, no, I'm fine. Have you seen the um, the message going around on the internets about um, how, you know, the, the idea that um, a good guy with a gun can st stops a bad guy with a gun? You know, to stop a bad guy with a gun, you need a good guy with a gun, that kind of thing. It's an NRA, NRA phrase, I guess, and then people have been refuting it and, and saying it hasn't happened. And it's not very, you know, there's not a lot of people refuting and saying it's never happened. And I'm going to discount police officers because well, they have guns and they do stop bad guys with guns. But I think the, 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 the saying is, uh, is based on the idea that uh, a good guy, a civilian with a gun, stops a bad guy. Can, you, know, you need one of them. Not just a cop, or or you know, cops can help, but and I, I think that's 
I think that's what's being refuted. Well, I know of one instance. I, I know of one where good guys with a gun at least helped stop a bad guy with a gun. Uh, it was August 1st, 1966. And, uh, you know, August 1st is, is known for two, well, three very important things. Uh, well, one of them is very important. My son was born on August 1st, uh, but that was in 2003. And um, in 2008, I think it was, uh, the 35E, well, the 35, I-35 bridge, it was, but it's 35 East, uh, going into downtown Minneapolis, uh, that bridge collapsed on August 1st. And this thing in 1966 happened in, on August 1st. Uh, a fellow named Charles Whitman, and this was, I was alerted to this. Uh, I knew about Charles Whitman and what he had done, but uh, I was uh, listening to a podcast called The Dollop, which is a comedy podcast that deals with uh, obscure things in history. Not necessarily obscure, but historical events and find some comedy through that. But uh, they had talked about uh, Charles Whitman in 1966 in Texas. He, Charles Whitman was a former Marine. He was a sharpshooter when he was in the Marines. And he had some problems when he was in civilian life. Um, he had some mental issues, obviously. And uh, he, ended up, he ended up killing his mother and his wife and getting up, uh, going to the University of Texas, getting into a tower on campus, and started just shooting people at random. And uh, it, uh, he killed something like 14 people. And, and he, you know, it was, it was, cops weren't exactly trained to handle something like that. What are they going to do? The cops showed up and they tried to figure out what to do to get up there. But you know who else showed up? Texas civilians with their guns, with their hunting rifles. And the, the two forces combined. So the civilians helped other, other police officers uh, lay down cover, covering fire to occupy Whitman up in the tower to keep him from being, getting a chance to aim and, and take out any more people, uh, while, the, while another group of police officers got to the tower, got up in there, and found him and, and killed him. They killed him right then and there. So if somebody says that it never happened, that a good guy, meaning a civilian, not necessarily a cop, because cops have guns and they do stop bad guys, they do, I don't think anybody would deny that, but if they're saying civilians never have done it, you know of at least one incident, incident where a uh, uh, civilians with guns, a group of civilians with guns, at least helped stop a bad guy. Huh? How's that? Huh? You got one. One. Charles Whitman. There's probably other examples of things, but I don't have those. And you know, I'm not saying that guns don't need some kind of controlling, uh, but I'm just saying somebody tries to, you know, you've got at least one. I've been noticing something a little uh, recently. <clears throat> Over the last, I don't know, year or so, maybe more, but I've been noticing this um, more lately that, and I don't, again, it's just from my personal experience, and it's a very small sample size, so I don't know if this is if this is indicative of some sort of trend. But, um, and uh, the people that I've noticed doing this are all women. 
I don't know if it's a thing that cuts across just women, or if if, some, if men do it too. But I've, in my experience, it's been women who've done it. And uh, and it's been younger women who do it. And what is it? Okay, I will, you know, when I at my work, I will call places and I'll place orders for supplies. Uh, sometimes I get uh, I get a call and I'm supposed to, you know, answer some questions about the business, uh, set up something for, you know, an online service or whatever we're doing, uh, you know, to hire people to find the job, you know, employees that kind of thing. Or uh, it, within my, you know, personal life, uh, going out doing something. Uh, giving some answers to somebody who's called in with a survey, or we had a young woman come over to the house to show us some uh, whole life uh, uh, insurance, whole life insurance options. And when I talk to her on the phone, talk to these people, it's not necessarily on the phone, but you know, when I talk to them and I'm answering their questions, I get a one word response. You know, they ask for my address, and I give the address. And I get this one-word response. So they ask, you know, my birth date, and I give them that, and I get a one-word response. And that one-word response is perfect. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it means. I don't know why this is happening. It's just that, oh, excuse my sniffling, I'm sorry. Um, it's just that recently, uh, within the last few months, it seems to be happening more often. And again, it's, it seems to be women and younger women you know i'd say in their 20s but but not just just them but it seems to be i haven't had a guy do it but for some reason it's a uh, that's the response it's not okay or thank you or very good it's perfect i don't know what it means i just think it's something unusual maybe hmm well, what's not unusual is my taking a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimline Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Uh, I'll be back after this break, and i got to blow my nose. Boy, I tell you, it's starting to leak like a sieve. Oh, God, it's just gross. Oh, you didn't need to know that. News. 100% information. 100% guarantee. I thought you might say that. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I'm a paramedic, and it may sound silly, but a lot of people are afraid to call 911 when they're experiencing uncomfortable pressure fullness, squeezing, or pain in the center of the chest. Instead, people risk permanent damage or death because they're afraid they might get a lecture. To learn more about heart attack warning signs, call the American Heart Association at 1-800-AHA-USA-1 or visit us on the web at AmericanHeart.org. Hey, I almost forgot. It's, it's time for... 
It's quiz time on Dimland Radio. Everybody got your pens ready? Okay, I'm going to ask you a question here. It's a multiple choice answer. Uh, can you name the person who said this? That's why I don't eat friggin' lobster or anything like that, because they're alive when you kill it. Was that A, Mahatma Gandhi, B, Jane Goodall, C, Albert Einstein, or D, Snooky? This has been Quiz Time on Dimland Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. That beats all the competition. And we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the sinuses. Maybe it's this time of day. Again, I should do this at night. <laughs> okay, um, I have a movie recommendation that I'll get to right now. Uh, my wife and I just watched it this week. It's uh, It was released last year, I believe. It's uh, Blade Runner... 2049. It's the it's the sequel to Blade Runner, which I was believe was released originally released in 1983. I think it was, and I really like the original Blade Runner. Um, it's um, it's I think it's it was quite an, inv- an uh, innovative movie. Uh, it was interesting concepts. I really like uh, you know just how it looks and feels and all that kind of stuff it was not a huge success when it was uh, uh, first when it was released but it became a a classic uh, it became a uh, 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 one of the important sci-fi films the, to exist one of the one of the more important ones uh, it was you know even though it didn't seem to catch the audiences in the theaters it built uh, a, a following through you know video and and DVD and that kind of thing, and, and you know there are several versions of the original Blade Runner. Uh, there's the, uh, the 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 original theatrical release, which uh, featured a voiceover by Harrison Ford. Uh, the film is is a sci-fi film noir kind of thing. And so that means it's it's dark and it has that uh, has that feel of uh, uh, of the the old classic uh, film noir films, um, including um, Double Indemnity and and uh, uh, Maltese, the Maltese Falcon, uh, the Third Man. These kinds of films that have a kind of a dark uh, sense of uh, 
of human nature and uh, they're you know they're shadowy looking and, and all that kind of stuff so um, so that's what Ridley Scott the director of uh, Blade Runner the original uh, that's what he was going for and I think he pulled it off really well and I and then there was uh, after that release there was like a director's cut and then the final cut and all that so I think there's at least three release three versions of the film and this is somewhat controversial because you know the more hip uh, out there will say well you know the best one is the uh, is the final cut of course that's that's what uh, that's what uh, Ridley Scott really wanted to see uh, you know and and the worst one is the one with the voiceover well I'll tell you something I like the voiceover maybe it's because that's the one I'm most familiar with because that was the one I saw at the first and you know that's that's the version you're that you prefer you know how it can happen where you um, you hear a song on the radio, and you get the you know the single edit of the song on the radio, and that's the one you like. And then when you get the album, the album cuts a little different, slightly longer, and then you think, oh wait, huh? Uh, uh, or you might, or the you in the '80s, it was a big thing to do uh, extended mixes of songs for the dance clubs. And so maybe the first cut you heard of a particular song was the extended version. I can think of one example: uh, the band The Cult and their song "Rain." Uh, they have an, there was an extended version, was dance version, which was the one I heard first, and one I got used to, and one I I liked. And then when a friend of mine got the album, and we would listen to the album, the album cut is is not as long. It's there's stuff missing from it from what we got to know from first hearing the song. So I prefer the extended mix to the album cut because it's the extended mix that I know I'm more familiar with. So that can happen. So maybe that's why I prefer the theatrical uh, release version of uh, of uh, Blade Runner. Maybe that's why. Excuse me, I have to let the cat out on the porch. There we go. That's another reason why I should do this at night. Anyway, so Amy and I just got uh, Blade Runner 2049, which, oh, I am telling you, the original Blade Runner, I think, takes place in 2019, so we're going to have flying cars. We're gonna, it's going to be really rainy in California, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, it's gonna be, we're going to have robots that are going to be exactly like human beings or almost exactly like human beings. Uh, it, no, we're not. <laughs> But they, you know, they said, "Well, you know, this is this is the world we're in in the movies, and we're going 30 years ahead of time, uh, on into the future to 20, uh, 2049, and you know, the 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 innovations that have happened since the original Blade Runner. There's some stuff that's been done in those 30 years. And um, okay, so it's Ridley Scott again. He, you know, which is good because he matches the tone of the original." And uh, the look, he gets that, he gets that back together, and how that works. Uh, and uh, he's got Ryan Gosling as uh, Gosling. What's his name? Ryan Gosling, as the uh, he's the star. He plays a uh, he plays a replicant, who's uh, doesn't have a name. He's got a you know he's got a serial number. It's K, some number 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 something, and or and people will just call him K, and he's a Blade Runner. Now, the Blade Runners were guys that were uh, cops that would go and uh, would uh, uh, 
retire replicants that were not allowed on Earth. Uh, they were, you're just supposed to be out there in, sp in the off-world doing the dirty work for us, but uh, you come back to Earth, we, you're not supposed to be here, apparently. And so he, they were meant to go out and kill him. But they would call it retiring. Well, uh, <clears throat> when uh, in the meantime, since uh, the original film and this one in 2049, they have uh, changed the, the, the replicants. So they are very compliant. They will, they will follow orders. You tell them to do something, they do it. So there's replicants that are allowed to be on Earth, and there are those that aren't. And there are these older ones that are supposed to be retired. And so that's what these uh, replicant Blade Runners are tasked to do. Go out and find these other replicants, these older models, and retire them. Get rid of them. <laughs> Excuse me, my nose is going again. Well, uh... Ridley Scott, uh, really, like I said, Ridley Scott really captures the tone. He makes it feel right, and um, you know the movie is a little. It's 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 two hours and forty three minutes. However, it's really two hours and thirty three minutes because there's ten minutes of credits. That's one thing that I've always uh, thought about when uh, people talk about how long a movie is. They 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 say, wow, you know, it's. They'll, they'll talk about this Blade Runner 2049 film, and they'll say, it's uh, it's two hours and 43 minutes. I mean, that's a little bit long. Well, yeah, I, I would agree. But, you know, when then 10 minutes of it is credits, then it, it's, not, it's not quite as long. So it's two and a half hours. I didn't feel it drag at all. It, 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 it worked for me. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, so there's so there's Ryan Gosling, he's in there, and of course Harrison Ford shows up playing Deckard, who was the fellow that we followed in the first release. He shows up in the film. He doesn't. It takes a while for him to show up, but he does, um, and and we're not disappointed when he does. Um, there's also Robin Wright's in there, and uh, who else? Uh, there's a there's a nice cameo from another character who was in the original. I won't give it away as to who it is, but there's a nice cameo. Jared Leto is in there. He, uh, he's the um, he's the next genius who's figured out how to make these replicants even better. And uh, it's uh, it's really good. So I would I would check it out. It's uh, Blade Runner 2049. Uh, check it out. So that's my movie recommendation for you this week. Uh, we we saw it through Netflix. Uh, we had to send away for the disc. So okay. Um, the uh, let's see, there was something that came up in the uh, the last uh, uh, meetup of the skeptics, and uh, it was uh, we were talking about language. Uh, Tim, one of the skeptics guys, brought this point up that there's a a, a phrase question. There's a question that's phrased in the do you do you mind, you know, that starts off do you mind if something 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 uh, that. That's, it's it's a I think he was he was pointing out a couple of things one how strange our language is and how uh, knowing certain uh, things about our language 
you know, being being exposed to it and knowing English, I should say. I'm not sure how it works in other languages. I don't know any others other than English. I'm sorry. I, I did take three years of Spanish in high school, but uh, there's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing really. Uh, but th there's there's something about the, the question, do you mind if? And one of the things about it is, is it's... It requires a yes or no answer, but it's it's it requires the opposite answer to it would mean the same thing if you asked can I or may I may I do this? Okay, so the example that uh, Tim gave was uh, you know do you mind if I borrow your pencil? I think that's what he said. Now the answer to that question. If you know somebody is, is essentially asking you, "May I borrow your pencil?" Now, if they ask the question straight out, "May I borrow your pencil?" and the answer is yes, you say yes. You yes, you may borrow my pencil. Here you go. If they ask it in the, "Do you mind if I borrow your pencil?" and you and and you're going to give them permission to use your use your pencil to borrow your pencil, you don't say yes. You say no. So the answer, it's the opposite answer from the other way the question's phrased, but the answer is the same. You're, you're giving the person permission to use your pencil. It's just, it's, just, it's you know, English. It's a, it's, a, it's a strange language. However, Tim also brought this up. Quite often, people answer the question, the do you mind question, they answer it incorrectly. He'll say, he'll say, uh, he gave the example. He said, uh, you know, somebody will come up to me and, and say, uh, do you mind if I borrow your pencil? And I'll just automatically say, sure. And in most cases, because of the context, because of the inflection in the voice, because, you know, of the, you know, the look on the person's face, you know, all that stuff wrapped around the answer saying, sure, the person asking the question, do you mind if I borrow your pencil, takes that answer as, yes, you may borrow my pencil. The guy says, sure. When he should say, no, I don't mind at all. Or, you know, or if they do mind, say, yes, I do mind. <laughs> but when they say, sure, or yeah, okay. The, you know, the, the, the response is supposed to be, if the, if, how do I say this? If the if the result of the question is going to be positive, you know, your answer is going to be positive, your answer should be negative. <laughs> so if they say, because you're saying, you're answering the question of whether you mind or not. I think that makes sense. So you should say, no, I don't mind which is saying, yes, you can borrow my pencil. That's answering the question, may I borrow your pencil? Yes, you may borrow my pencil. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, we, we talked about that for a while. You know, we're, you know, we're a very deep thinking bunch. We are. Now, some, some are. I'm not so deep thinking, but the others are, and I like to listen to them because they think so well. And um, I bring that up because, well, because I thought it was interesting, and the fact that we were watching... Blade Runner 2049, and I, I forget the exact question. I think it was you know, Robin Wright, her character, is asking uh, uh, 
Ryan Gosling, Kay. She's asking Kay, uh, I think, to step out of the room. And she says, uh, do you mind stepping out of the room? Or do you mind leaving us alone? Or do you mind? She, that's, that's how she asked the question. And Kay answers, of course, and then leaves the room. <laughs> and so both Amy and I, uh, Amy wasn't at the meeting, the meetup. But I was primed for it a little bit, and but Amy it's kind of thinks the same way, and we both went. Of course you don't mind. Of course you do mind. Do you, what's the answer? Do you huh? But because you know because of the context of the situation, the way he said it, and of course his actions after saying of course meant that he didn't mind. He left even though he was saying. That he does mind, because he said, "Of course." I it's you know anyway. So uh, I check out the movie. It's it's good. It's fun. Uh, don't get hung up on that particular uh, moment there. Uh, don't whatever you do, because <laughs> it's not worth getting hung up on. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. My my again. Uh, my timing is a little off because I'm trying to figure out where I am in the show. Um, so uh, I think I got time to do this before I head to a break. So let's get this set up. Do do do. And there it is. It's time for another Dimland Radio pedantic moment. What did they get wrong this time, Dim? Well, I'll tell you what they got wrong this time. Uh, I was uh, on on the YouTube. There's a, uh, a series of videos called uh, History Buffs. It's been around for a little while now, but I just discovered it fairly recently. And uh, it's uh, it's a fellow named uh, uh, Nick Hodges. I guess he's a historian of some sort. Uh, he hosts this thing. You never actually see him. There's a little cartoon of him in, in, that that you'd look at, but uh, otherwise, it's it's just his voiceover. And what he does on this YouTube series is he looks at movies that depict historical events, and he he'll he'll do a review of the movie, whether he likes it or not, uh, in just on a on a movie sense. Is, was it entertaining? Did he enjoy it? That kind of thing. But he also looks into the history it's depicting. How accurate is it? Is it just wildly inaccurate? Like uh, Blade... Uh, not Blade Runner. <laughs> like Braveheart, which he thought was just completely <laughs> crazy bad as far as getting its history right. And he thought the movie was just not so good. Uh, or is it really, really, really accurate? Uh, such as one of his favorite uh movies depicting any kind of historical event, uh, the film Waterloo, which is what he thinks of, of the ones I've watched. I think that's the one where he, he seems to um, uh, think that that one is the probably the most historically accurate movies. I mean, of the ones I've seen him review so far, it certainly seems to be the most historically accurate. Um, so, you know, and he'll, so what he'll do in the videos, and they, the videos go from 20 minutes to uh, some, I think there's one that he's done on uh, um, Apollo 13, which is it's, it's over 50 minutes. So you, you, you should have some time to be able to sit and watch these. But he does them very well, shows lots of scenes from the movies, and what he'll do is at the beginning, 
he'll break it into parts, and part one is always describing the history of the actual event and giving the you know what we the best we know about what had happened. Um, one of the films that he talks about is uh, From Hell. And uh, that's one of I really like the movie from Hell. He doesn't think very much, very highly of it. He doesn't, you know, the history is of course very much uh, loosely dealt with um, because they decided uh, you know, which person is in, responsible for the for the murders and uh, you know who is Jack the Ripper. They they you know the movie takes a position that, that it's this person and you know so then you know their history isn't necessarily right on target he had some other problems issues with the, how the story is told and things like that i don't it i understand his issues but they didn't bother me but you know what would bother me is if i didn't take a break i know i'm interrupting a pedantic moment in order to take a break but you know the show has to follow certain you know time constraint things and besides i i want to take a little break here so you're listening to dimland radio on the ztalk radio network at ztalkradio.com i'm your host jim dr dim fitzsimmons i'll be back and i'll have the pedantic moment and a little more talk about this history bus uh, youtube uh, series which i think is really good I was feeling the way of the atmosphere And those I know are looking overjoyed I'm here Dawn is about fourteen or wine And Chardonnay shows what she knows when she But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, Get to fresh air right away from the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Hey, y'all. This is Tangina. You're going to give me whiplash looking up there, too. I've cleaned many houses, and I don't know what it is that hovers over Dr. Dim's house, but it was strong enough to punch a hole into this world and take his wallet away from him. And I think what we might be dealing with is the beast. Hold on. Did you just say that Dr. Dim doesn't believe in poltergeists, tiny fortune tellers, or the beast? Well, holy sh**. Why the didn't somebody tell me? Anyway, Dr. Dim's a skeptic. He'll be right back on ztalkradio.com. I still think this house is clean. Your assignment is to listen to the bus on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. (laughs) 
You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Person to talk to, someone who care to love. Could it be you? Could it be you? Situation gets rough, then I start to panic. It's not enough. Welcome back to Dimland Radio and the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That last song coming out of Bumper is dedicated to my friend Douglas. <laughs> it's a song by a band called Violent Femmes. It's their song Kiss Off. I announced on Facebook the other day that I was I was listening to my Spotify and I have a lots of songs list put into one main playlist which I call uh, the radio station I always wanted or something like that and uh, it doesn't have the or something like that I think it's whatever never mind sorry sometimes being a pedant gets a little difficult anyway I was listening to it the other morning and one of their songs came on it's a song called Please Do Not Go. And uh, I, I'll try to remember to link to it so that you can check it out. Uh, when I was in my early 20s and listening to Violent Femmes, because that's how far back they go, <laughs> that's a long time ago, uh, I, I liked, that's from their very first album, it's a self-titled album, released in 1982 or so, something like that. And uh, I liked the album, I still like the album. But uh, the song, Please Do Not Go, uh, came onto my Spotify playlist, and I'm listening to it, and I went, this song's really, really, really silly. <laughs> and I just, it just, it, it no longer had any appeal for me. I just didn't care for it anymore. I thought, I'm not into this thing anymore. Uh, and I announced that on Facebook, and my friend Douglas, who likes the Violent Femmes, and uh, he he, um, he and I got in a not in a, you know, in a debate or anything like that, but he just he was saying, "Well, so you hate the Violent Femmes?" No, I don't hate the Violent Femmes. I just don't like that song. I still like when I I posted the thing. I I gave three other songs from the album that I still like. It's just that one. I don't know it's just lost its appeal for me. Things happen, you know. So we got back and forth, and it was we were, it was all tongue in cheek and fun. It's nothing. Was we 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 weren't insulting each other, and we're not going to have a duel or anything like that. So, okay, back to what I was talking about, whichever that was. Oh yeah, the pedantic moment. Oh, I'm stretching this moment out. Well, anyway, so it, it, it this it's a it's a history series that uh, looks at movies depicting historical events. How accurate are those movies? And then you know how good are the movies? Uh, he does does that and i find the series well done and uh he seems to be presenting pretty good history i, I would like if he would uh, include in the show notes uh you know uh, the video notes uh, uh for the on youtube if he would include some links to some of this information uh you know that'd be nice but uh um you know not everybody does that kind of thing so i take his word for it that he knows what he's talking about with the history and so it's, and I think it seems like he does. Seems like he has it. And I've been looking up some stuff, and he seems pretty accurate. Okay. Anyway, he does this thing through through this series. He uses a phrase, and he uses it 
quite often. And the phrase is, begs the question, begging the question, you know, he, he says begs the question frequently. And a lot of people use that phrase, and they use it wrong. Uh, that's not, it's not what they think it means. Uh, begs the question, or begging the question, or to beg the question is a logical fallacy. And uh, I've, I've, uh, I've printed out the, uh, the explanation as to what it means. Uh, the fallacy of begging the question occurs when an argument's premise assumes the truth of the conclusion instead of supporting it. In other words, you assume without proof the stand slash position or a significant part of the stand that is in question. Begging the question is also called arguing in a circle. Cat? Uh, my cat is insisting on going back on the porch. All right, all right. There's another reason why I should do the show at night. <laughs> is this show lasting longer than normal? I, I think I'm on schedule. <laughs> okay. So it's circular reasoning. And they give some examples in case that definition didn't quite work. So uh, uh, an example is uh, Erica, Erica says, uh, how, or asks, how do you know the Bible is divinely inspired? And uh, Pedro answers, because it says right in the third chapter of uh, 2 Timothy that all scripture is given by divine inspiration of God. So he's saying, you know, we know the Bible is the word of God because the Bible says it's the word of God. That's that's you know circular reasoning. That's what begging the question means. Uh, let's give you another uh, give me another answer here. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, prosecution uh, t prosecutor to defendant. So how did you feel when you killed your wife? <laughs> that's assuming that the guy killed his wife. Yeah. When did you stop beating your wife? I, I never beat my wife. What are you talking about? No. This. So okay. So that's wrong. It, it, when you say begs the question, that's what you're, that's, that's the phrase, that's what the actual meaning of the phrase is. However, and this is something that was brought up in that discussion the Minnesota skeptics had about language and about the uh, do you mind questions, language is changing. It's fluid. And, you know, I, I have to accept that uh, you know, it's something that bothered me for many, many years, and it still irks me a little bit when somebody calls, you know, when somebody asks you, uh, when you say, uh, uh, I'd like to get some licorice, and they say, do you want black or red? Licorice is black. Licorice is a flavor, not a color. You know, that's always a dip. But it's been shown to me that some of the licorices that are red, they do have some licorice extract in them as well. So then technically they probably still are licorice. But I have to accept that that little licorice extract in the red stuff notwithstanding, that it's just become our language. Licorice is a kind of candy, not necessarily a flavor, although that's what it is, but it's become a kind of candy. And there's a black variety and a red variety and a brown variety and blue and green and all kinds of other varieties with all kinds of fla flavors these days. So you got plenty of choices for your licorice ple pleasure, but the black stuff 
the actual licorice is what I like. Uh, oh, and there's a brand out there called uh, it's it's Panda, and it's all natural. I don't care if it's all natural. I just really like it. I really like the flavor of it. I just I, that's my favorite of any licorice. So if you ever are going to send some licorice to the show, the uh, Panda all natural. You know, and I don't care if it's all natural. It's all natural is a bullshit kind of thing. But uh, anyway, so as we discussed with the you know, do you mind questions that English, you know, language is fluid, it changes and the meaning of things changes. So I think, you know, even though I'm being pedantic on this guy using the wrong phrase, what he means to say is raises the question, brings up the question. You know, that's what he means to say, but that's not what he says. However, the way language is moving, that's becoming... Uh, the, the what the question means. So okay, so I'll I you know I, I so I so when I watch the, vi the 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 video series when I watch that and he says begs the question I just close my eyes gently. It's okay, I'll be all right. He means raises the question. Just just here it is that, and that's what the phrase is becoming. The the to me, that's what it's beginning to mean. That's that's where it's going. So just. Settle down. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, and one of the things that he talks about in his History Buff series. Uh, did I say the name of the guy? Nick Hodges? That's the name of the guy that hosts the, uh, the History Buffs um, um, YouTube series. He was in his Waterloo episode, which, again, he had said that this one really gets it right. This one really nails it down. Um, he... Um, he, he, you know, they, it's it. Uh, Waterloo. When did that movie? It's staggering that movie, the way it was done. Uh, in recent years, we've gotten uh, been able to create these epic type movies by using uh, computers, using the CGI effects, um, because you know, because it's just it's just not practical. To have as many extras as a movie, like uh, as the uh, series of movies, um, the Lord of the Rings movies would need. So you create stuff in the computer, and it's getting better and better, and it looks, you know, it looks more and more real. Um, the thing is, though, there still is something about practical effects. There's something about the the object actually taking up space, and not just you know, pixels. Uh, that's that's you know. There's something about it. It's when actors are working with something that's actually there. If it's animatronic or another actor, you know, something that's there. It just seems there's just something about it. If they're acting to a tennis ball, it, it doesn't quite translate as well there's there's just you know i i uh, i'm i think as as it happens more often if that's what's going on i think acting techniques might they're probably already beginning to try to deal with acting with something that's not there um but but you know they might get better yeah, acting styles are and you can tell or you can't tell but there's in waterloo uh it was made by a soviet director it was made in Ukraine, and it it employed for the extras for the for the soldiers 
uh, in this war movie. Uh, 16,000 Soviet Union Red Army soldiers. That meant that they had to... And they actually they trained the soldiers in how to march the way uh, the you know armies would have marched in those days, which uh, the history guy the history guy uh, Hodges says that um, they get wrong. You know, in in any war movies, it's just the marching doesn't isn't done properly in most war movies, and so but they get it right in this one. The, how to use their muskets. How to how to you know fight like the soldiers would have fought in those days? How to do the stuff? They, I mean, that's an undertaking. I mean, that's insane. And then, sixteen thousand uniforms had to be made, and just it just the scale of that film is incredible. But he says it's on the film when you see it that the people are actually there. It it works so much better. Uh, he did mention something about the Battle of Waterloo, and I couldn't track down his accuracy on this statement, but he said that the number of dead after this battle, the number of dead, uh, including, you know, every side of the body, you know, you know the, the, the Napoleon side and the, and the, the Allies side, when you, because it was, uh, the Allies side was the British, the Russians, the Prussians, and the Germans, I think, and then you had the French. The number of dead that he gets, that he said, was it was close to 70,000. 70,000. Now, if that is correct, here's the other astounding fact. The battle lasted nine hours. Now, I'm still trying to track down if his numbers are correct. I was looking at some other stuff, and they kept giving... I, I need to do the math and figure it out, but I need to see if I can find a, another source for information. But uh, if he's right, close to 70,000 people you know, died, soldiers died, in nine hours. The Vietnam War, you know, America's Vietnam War, lasted eight years. The dead from the Vietnam War, the killed in the Vietnam War, was 58,000. That was eight years. So it, it, that's astounding. <laughs> That's astounding. It, I'll, I'll keep looking into it and see if I can find if it's true or not. Um, I'll try. Uh, but I think that the History Buffs series is pretty cool, and I do have three cool things for this week. Uh, let's see. Um, number three, Stephen Hawking died. That is not cool that he died. But the fact that the man uh, became as important to science and as well-known as he did that he lived as long as he did. He was 76 years old when he died with ALS. Uh, that is pretty cool. The man, you know, to, to be able to contribute to the world of science uh, for as long as he did uh, with a disease like that, uh, I think that's cool. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I think it's cool that he had, that we had a chance to have Stephen Hawking in the world. Oh, I know there are some people that, you know, they're whining about, well, I don't know. I, I, let's, let's not ruin the cool moment. His contributions to science are very cool, and his being here, that was cool. Don't you think? Don't you think? I think. Don't you think? I mean, he's human, but don't you think? Okay. Number two, uh, I was able to tell a professional comic book artist, uh, he's an inker, uh, and yes, there, there are, in the comic book way of doing things, there's the guy that will, uh, the artist that will draw, the, you know, take the pencils and draw the page, and then there's the artist that will take the ink 
and they will ink the pencils. Sometimes the artist who draws the page inks his own pencils. Most of the time, it's another inker. And 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 so, uh, the the there's a joke, running joke in the movie Chasing Amy that they're tracers. Inkers are tracers, but an inker really does have an influence on the finished product. Really does. Uh, it, it's hard to explain, especially on a audio podcast but they really do they do have uh, uh, an influence the better the inker you know a really good inker can make a not so great penciler look better they can make a great penciler look fantastic you know it's just and you know so anyway so there was this guy and I was able to give him some praise uh, on Facebook uh, I was let him know a story that uh, um, I was told by an artist who um, had done comic books, had done a title that I liked, and he left that title. And I met the artist uh, sometime after that, and I said that the, the, the new artist working on it seemed to be doing a decent job, and he turned to me and he says, that guy sucks, and if it wasn't for the inker, that art would look like shit. And I was able to tell this inker, the actual guy, that story. Uh, I, I put in the names because, you know, it was privately telling him. And uh, he said, oh, well, thanks for that story. <laughs> so that I thought was cool. And number one, coolest thing uh, so far uh, this week, or well, you know, these don't have to be just of the week. Uh, on Netflix, there is a pretty good series. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. Uh, it's called History's Greatest Hoaxes. It has a skeptical base to it. They look at uh, Hitler's diaries, alien autopsy, and some other stuff in the Loch Ness Monster. These are the ones I've seen so far. I think this is like five or six episodes. It's on Netflix. It's streaming. I'm going to have to finish watching the series, and I might talk about it more next week. But that is damn cool when you get a good skeptical-based uh, uh, series looking into claims uh, because uh, they don't you know they 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 let the people who make the claims air those claims but you just look at it and think yeah uh, you're full of you're full of stuff so check that out history's greatest hoaxes it's on Netflix it's streaming on there it's uh, it's worth your time and it's pretty cool and I hope that you've had at least three cool things happen for you this week good night good night Frau Blucher uh, made it to the end of this show sorry to if it was a little disjointed, it's you know it's not in my regular time slot. I'm a little yeah I don't know whatever. But and the cat and all that stuff. So listen, be skeptical. And extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com, and I'm your host Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. I'll see you next week at the right time. Oh, here comes the cat. Hello. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by the Yolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. <laughs>